Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is Alex Cat alongside Adam McGinnis. Pitchers and catchers are in Mesa. They're heading there, and some are already there. Some are working out and throwing. This week has been the report week, so baseball's back, more or less. Spring training games will begin soon, and Cubs fans continue to wait for Marquis to get on Comcast. But we'll have plenty to talk about today. Some comments made by former manager Joe Madden, some other comments made by Theo Epstein, and another small, kind of minor move that the Cubs made. All this and more on Climbing the Ivy. Stick around. We have a great show for you. Adam, how are you doing? Fantastic. Always good that you're fantastic. I wish the weather was fantastic, but I cannot say it is. I don't know what it's like by you, but it is awful here. Uh, it's a little chilly here. Winter's kind of starting to wind down on us a little bit in Nebraska. Not Lucky you. As much snow, but yeah. Winter is plenty of it. Winter's terrible. Winter sucks. I know. There are people who like it better than like spring and summer. I'm like, really? Yeah, are I you really don't. Really? I don't get it. Yeah, I, I'm ready to start wearing shorts. You know what gets really old? Brushing off your car, going to work every morning, and having to warm up the car, and, and that just and icy roads. That just that's yeah. not fun at all. Yeah, a few things I hate more than having to scrape my windshield. Honestly, especially when like you're kind of slow moving, and you're like, "Well, I got to get to work, but I also need to see out of the window, so I got to take like five ten minutes to get all this off." I remember when I was in high school, uh, when I parked outside the house, uh, if it had snowed or, or if it iced over the night before, I would always just scrape just like a tiny little spot, just, just enough for me to see out of. And I had to do that because I always got up just late enough that I could get to school in the nick of time. I never really prepared ahead. So I always had just this tiny little this little spot on my windshield to see out of and there were there were a couple of times where I was a little nervous, but you got to do what you got to do to sleep in a little longer. Yeah, you know, I can't say I ever experienced driving to high school. I always carpooled with my friend's dad, so I never once uh, drove and parked to high school. But I do yeah. it every day for work, so I know what see, commuting is like now. I could I could see how that would be, you know, pretty different in your neck of the woods around Chicago. For me, I I come from a small town and so driving from my house to school when I was in in high school took like a minute and a half tops mm-hmm so yeah it was about a five minute drive for different us. it really wasn't far us, I guess yeah you know it's, it's one of those things where back in high school I was kind of the same way as I am now kind of like what you just mentioned I get up at the very last minute, quickly scarf something yeah. down and go. It's not like I get up like a half hour ahead of time and then say, okay, I want to get up so I could slowly eat, read the paper, do it. It's like, nope, I get up, I get dressed, yeah. I eat like a muffin, and I'm out the door. Yeah, the and I was that way for a really long time. The only thing uh, that changed that was uh, I got into coffee. And in high school, I didn't drink coffee at all. I didn't really like it very much. Now I get up just early enough to have a little bit of coffee beforehand. If it wasn't for that, I would still be sleeping in as long as possible to just stretch it to the limit. But you know, you know what I hate about work sleep schedule now is 
I naturally wake up when I have to for work, no matter what. So on days where I can sleep in, like on the weekend or days off, I still naturally get up at my normal time. And what stinks about that is I go to bed way, way later. So it's like, okay, I went to bed at like 12 or 1, one thirty in the morning, and I'm still getting up when I naturally do at like 6.30. That's a that's a bummer, dude. And I know a lot of people who are that exact same way. I have some friends that are that way. My dad is that way. He's so used to getting up early for work that he pretty much just gets up at the same time on weekends, too. I am not that way. I can get up early five days a week and sleep until 11 or noon on Saturday. Like, I have no problem doing that. I used to be able to do that in college, no problem. It's funny. I slept better in college than I ever did in my entire life because I'm a light really? sleeper. Yeah, I'm a light sleeper. I've kind of had insomnia issues, but you know, I I slept great in college in those dorm dorm beds that you wouldn't think are very mm-hmm. comfortable. I slept like a baby in those things. That's weird. See, sleeping, when I first went to college, sleeping was a tough transition for me because I was I was used to having my own bedroom with a big bed, big comfortable bed, uh, and then I'm coming sure. into this environment where I've got a roommate now. Uh, I've never been very good at sleeping with other people in the room. I don't do that well in hotel rooms. Uh, I really don't sleep that well outside of my own bed. So when I when I went from my own big bed uh, to this little tiny single bed with a roommate now, that, that was actually kind of tough for me. It took me a while to get into a routine where I could fall asleep pretty easy. But Yeah, you know, normally I don't sleep in other beds well at all. Hotels, even when they're nice and comfy yeah. or like friends' houses. I don't sleep at all. But I just think in college, because I took a lot of night classes in college and I was involved Oof. in a lot like night activities in college, uh, whether it was the broadcasting station or other clubs or whatnot. And especially senior year, because I lived off campus, I lived in an apartment and I didn't have a car in college. So I walked uh, two, three miles there and back every day. I think I was just naturally exhausted by the time I got in bed. I slept. That that would poop you. Yeah, you'd be pooped out. I was. I was. Because even though now I... I work a lot, but I'm home at night, so it's not like I'm tired from that. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, it depends on the kind of bed, too. Like, a lot of those hotel beds are really soft, and you like you sink into them a little bit. Yeah. I know some people uh-huh. really like that. I like my mattress to be a little more firm. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's, it's kind of weird because... People in my immediate family, like my mom and brother, they can sleep anywhere. They could fall asleep on like rock beds where I could be in a comfy hotel bed and I'll toss and turn for three, four hours. Yeah, that's I'm really, really jealous of people who can do that, who can just decide when they want to sleep. And then that's it. They can they can just lay down. And then within a minute or two, they're asleep. I'm not that way. I wish I could do that. I can't. Yeah, no, I can't either. I, too, am quite jealous. I'd probably be a Uh, lot more productive if I could do that, if I could guarantee a good night's sleep every night. But sometimes sometimes I'll just lay there and it takes forever, and so you you got to whip your phone out and watch some YouTube or something. Oh, that's that's the worst for me. I always say I'm going to go to bed at a good time. No, I always say I'm going to go to bed at a good time, and I end up watching YouTube for like an hour and a half. 
on my phone. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard not to. If I was smart, I would, like, read or something, but looking at a screen does not help at all. No, they but say, anyway. like, scientifically, that's bad. Yeah, and they, they actually say that you should you should put your phone, computers away, like, an hour before you want to yes. go to bed, too. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, exactly. I probably have, which I probably have never done a single day in my entire life. No, I, I haven't. <laughs> no, I, I haven't, and I keep saying I will, and I never do. I'm not sure I'm willing to make that sacrifice either. No, I mean, as long as I'm able to function and stay awake throughout the day, it's like, well, might as well just stick to my routine. Yeah, my failure. So, uh, Cubs, it's much warmer down in Mesa. The gloves are popping. David Ross has addressed the media. So is Theo Epstein. Uh, you see clips of Tyler Chatwood and Jose Quintana, Edward Alzali, and a few other guys throwing. Uh, they talked to Brandon Morrow, who's trying to work his way back. I know he had a stomach virus, so that guy just can't win. But, you know, things are getting back in a swing here. It's always a good time when that happens, no matter what your team is projected to be. And I think the first thing I'll bring up is uh, a little bit of roster news. The Cubs have officially brought in Jason Kipnis on a minor league deal. Uh, We talked about Kipnis a little bit uh, when they were rumored being in on him. And this was actually one of those moves I felt like was inevitable, in my opinion, just the way they talked about it. And you saw that Jason Kipnis had opened like a center, like a youth center, uh, baseball. I can't remember what it's called exactly, but here in Chicago, him being from here, it, it was pretty clear, I think, the Indians were moving on, and he wasn't generating interest elsewhere, and the Cubs were clearly looking for some veteran infield depth, especially at second base. So I was almost kind of expecting this to happen. I don't know about you. Yeah, and it, it's it's kind of it's like we talked about on the last show with Jason Kipnis. Uh, I I think you should view him more as a band aid and not a crutch. Like I don't think Jason Kipnis's presence on this team is going to be you know, vital to their success. I think he's going to be a good depth piece. Who knows? Maybe he maybe he competes for uh, a starting spot in the infield. If if the Kipnis thing happens, I don't know, but I really I have no problem with it. I mean, like so many other moves the Cubs have tended to make these past few years, this one seems kind of low risk, potentially high reward. Uh, and and you know he's only thirty two. I know it feels like he should be a lot older than that, but I right. I don't think they're you know at thirty two years old, I could see uh, maybe a little bit of a bounce back from the last couple years. I wouldn't necessarily. Uh, say that he he's totally washed yet no I don't think his presence will like shoot the Cubs skyward upward but I also don't think it's gonna hurt them either you look at last year uh, the last few years you know the numbers have really dipped since his uh all-star years from like 2013 to 2016 he was yeah. an all-star twice 13 15 but he was an all-star caliber player pretty consistently um, in the early uh, 2010s, you look at the decline and you, you saw he only played 90 games in 2017. There were some injuries there that definitely had to take a toll. He's never really bounced back. But you know, last year, 245, 304, 410, OPS is 715, which is, for all intents and purposes, average. 
17 home runs. I mean, he usually hovers in the high teens in home runs. He hit 20 mm-hmm. plus one year in 2016. So for a second baseman, he's got some decent pop. I feel like this is an opportunity for him. Again, I don't expect him to regain full form, but to at least come back and have like a feel good season for him, you know, not yeah. prime good, but better than the last few years. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you look at those numbers from last year uh, and if you, if you can bump his on base percentage up a little bit, then that slash line actually looks pretty good. The pop is intriguing. Uh, 65 RBI, nothing to complain about 250, 250 ish average. Like that's, that's some value right there. Uh, the Cubs don't necessarily need Jason Kipnis to be an all-star level player. I don't think he will be, but uh, you know, I think that that what he's provided last year uh, would be good enough for the role he would be filling. Yeah, you look at what Jason Kipnis can do. Like you said, the pop. You know, he can drive in runs at a respectable rate. I think. If we look at the beginning of the season, where we think the Cubs will be in terms of who they have up and who they may be sending down, if I were a betting man right now, and spring training can determine this, it could really determine what not only Jason Kipnis does, but especially Nico Horner, but I think right now the plan is, up up for change obviously, The plan is to have Nico Horner start in AAA because he's yet to play in AAA. And the only reason he was up last year was because of injuries. Now, he showed a lot of promise last year in this brief time. But you also saw where he needed to grow. And, you know, that's natural for a young player like him. You know, he never played in AAA before. So I think the Cubs have prepared themselves to kind of create themselves a little veteran platoon over at second. I think you're going to see Bodie, Kipnis, and then occasionally like a Daniel Descalso or a Hernan Perez be mixed in there to start this season at least. The Horner Horner thing, that's kind of a a tricky situation. I have mixed feelings about that because on the one hand, uh, what I would prefer, what I think most people would prefer, uh, is for Horner to have some time in AAA. Uh, you know, you, we see it all the time. You rush these guys into the league too soon, and you kind of uh, it hinders their development a little bit, and they suffer in the long term. But at the same time, this is a Cubs team that is kind of still looking for a spark in some areas, and so maybe you think Horner can provide that. Sure. Uh, but but in the grand scheme of things, I really would rather him get some time in AAA first. Yeah, you know, I I think if they do determine he's ready, then I can trust it. But I also really would understand if they felt that it was necessary for him to start in AAA. It it makes sense to. He could go on a big tear in spring and Jason Kipnis could look awful and not physically well. And that could change the whole thing right there. Jason Kipnis is on a minor league deal. He's not guaranteed to make the roster. I still think chances are greater than not that he does, but let's say he's got some injury problems or he's really not performing, and Nico Horner is saying, hey, look at me. You know, He's, he's playing great. He's looking confident. That could change the way things go because either way, I think second base isn't going to have just one solidified guy, yeah. at least not in the first half of this season. Because if Nico Horner does get some playing time, 
I think you're going to still see Bodie play there from time to time as well. And I do hope that if Nico Horner forces the Cubs' hand, that they actually take advantage of that. Because this is not 2016 when that when this lineup is just loaded with power and consistency. Right. This is a Cubs team right now that needs help anywhere it can get it. And so if Horner is looking just fantastic in spring training, then I think you, you probably do have to roll with him if you can. Uh, but, you know, that is dependent on everyone else. If Jason Kipnis surprises you, if someone else surprises you and has a really good spring, then maybe you start with them and you you let Horner get a little bit of uh, seasoning down in the minors. Yeah, well said. That's pretty much how I was thinking this all the same process. Um, here's something I wanted to also bring up. So looks like we have our list of non-roster invitees. So just to go through it, Brandon Morrow is on that list. Dakota Mekas, Oscar De La Cruz, who has been in the Cubs system for what feels like forever. Yeah. Uh, Jason Adam, Caleb Simpson, Brock Stewart, Ben Taylor, you got a couple of lefties, Rex Brothers, Danny Holson, Tyler Olson, C.D. Pelham, who they got this offseason, and Wyatt Short. And then your position players, Carlos Aswahe, Trent Jabroni, Corbin Joseph, Hernan Perez, as we mentioned earlier, outfielders, Noel Cuevas and Ian Miller, and catchers, P.J. Higgins, Johnny Pareda, and veteran Josh Fegley, who spent many years with the Oakland Athletics. So some of these guys, obviously, you recognize. Some of them, you scratch your head and go, who? But that's pretty much what you do every spring training. I see guys like Dakota Mekas, Brandon Morrow. You obviously know those guys more than you do some of these others, like yeah. C.D. C. Pelham. Honestly, I kind of forgot Danny Holson was still with the organization. I, I did, too. I did, too. And I wasn't sure what Oscar De La Cruz was up to because I'm pretty sure he's been suspended for PEDs. I'm pretty sure he's had injury issues as well. And his his minor league career has been very up and down. He's had some very good years. He's had some not so good years. He's 24 years old. He's, you know, still pretty young, but, you know, I don't really know if we're ever going to get yeah. anything out of him. I don't There's think really... he's... He, there really oh, sorry, aren't. Go ahead. There really aren't any names on that list that stand out, are there? No, I think you look at the list and you say, "Well, Brandon Morrow, we're not holding our breath." Besides, but you... yeah, besides Morrow, I suppose. Yeah, I I think Josh Fegley is kind of interesting. He's not Johnny Bench by any means, but he's a veteran catcher yeah, who's been yeah. around. Uh, I kind Gosh. of that new, kind of that new Taylor Davis type, in my opinion. I think he could be a good defensive catcher for you. Um, again, it, like an emergency basis, not going to yeah. make the roster. Um, the other one that I guess you could kind of talk about is Hernan Perez. You can't hit water if he fell out of a boat, but he is a pretty good fielder and he's very versatile. He could play pretty much anywhere. Uh, so if you're looking for yeah, like a late inning substitution kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, you're 26th man, so to speak, uh, for for defense. That would be that would be a reason I think you'd have him. The only reason you'd have him certainly wouldn't be his bat. Um, and then, yeah, Carlos Asuaje, he's had very little playing time in the majors. Not really a hitter. 
Trent Jabroni, we've seen him uh, in spring training before. He's been with the organization. I really like his name. Uh, cool name. He's 26 years old. That is a good baseball name. Isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. he's... Uh, his, his batting stats are pretty average in the minors. In his career, 250, 325, 416, 56 home runs. So he was playing in AAA last year. He spent all last year in AAA, hit 23 homers, drove in 66, batted 241. I don't really expect him to be an impact on the big league roster. And then, you know, maybe you find some diamonds in the rough. Maybe Dakota Mekas can give you something. Uh, some of these other pitchers, those those are the types of guys where you can find diamonds in the rough more often than you think. It's just mostly the position players for me you look at and you'd be like, eh, maybe Hernan Perez's defense, maybe Josh Fegley. Other than that, you don't really see anything else. Yeah, I mean, the only one I'm really holding out hope for is Morrow. It can, because if Morrow comes back healthy, that's actually a big deal. Right. Although all those other guys, it's kind of like, Nah, whatever. Yeah, I, Dakota Mekas has been kind of an interesting name. Cubs fans who follow the team closely uh, have looked at him before, and you know maybe you, you get something there with him. He's he's been talked about by a lot of the people who follow the minor league system, the farm system. Uh, last year was not a good year for him, but he has had a pretty good minor league career. Career 220 ERA in the minors and strikeouts per nine of 11.5. Despite the struggles last year with a 529 ERA, he's had a very successful minor league career. So, you know, maybe you, you get something out of him. I don't know. But spring training is going to tell you uh, a few things with some of these guys. Would be nice. I mean, it's, yeah. the way things have gone the past few years, it's it would be a cold day in hell if the Cubs actually developed a minor league pitcher yeah i mean you need to develop some diamonds in the rough you hopefully we still have that have with to. one of their their biggest weak spots for sure yeah i mean wick so far has lived up to that but you know it was a not a tiny sample size but it wasn't a full year you'd like to see if it was either a flash in the pan or yeah. something still not enough not doesn't doesn't pass the the test comparatively to other teams in the league that that can actually produce some pitchers from their own system yeah i think if we saw a more successful rate of pitchers being developed by the cubs in the past 3 4 years then maybe you'd have a little more hope and yeah. i still think there's a chance for wick to be good i mean he's got good stuff yeah. but it, having good stuff only gets you so far. Well, I mean, remember, and, we've been on Dylan Maples for many years, and he still yeah. hasn't figured out his command issues, despite having devastating stuff. But spring training has a lot of things going on around it and in it that aren't necessarily about these guys we're talking about. We're talking about the big guys. We're talking about the Chris Bryants, mm -hmm. who... You know, the, the whole lingering thing is the trade talk and all that stuff and how he feels. And they talked to Wilson Contreras. They talked to other players about it. And look, the players are giving you the answers that you expect them to give. You know, they're here yeah. in the long run to win, whether it's ugly or dominating fashion 
whatever. They're here to win, and they're not going to go out and say, well, we didn't make a lot of moves, so I'm not knowing how we're feeling, yada, yada. And, you know, of course they're going to be excited for David Ross. Yeah. You know, they're, they're giving the answers you're expecting, pretty much. Well, and it's, you know, listen, I'm I'm with the majority of Cubs fans in that I would like to keep Chris Bryant until he's not under contract anymore, and preferably I would like to extend him. Me too. However, I don't think people are justified in being mad at the Cubs for dangling him, uh, because I'm I'm of the opinion, and and maybe you know, maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but I think every team in the league should always be willing to listen to offers on anyone. I really don't think there's any harm in just listening, because you can always just say no. Uh, and I, you know, you could make the argument, uh, well, if you're listening, then this player is going to feel disrespected, but you know, who cares if that's the case? It, I mean, they should understand that it's a business and if they really, if they feel disrespected, then they're just being well, kind of soft, can, honestly. Well, Wilson Contreras even said that. I don't know if you heard his interview. No, I haven't. He said, you know, there's a business to all this. Yeah. It's like, a business. he's like, I, I want to be here, but I understand the business. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes – people overuse this word. It really takes a generational talent uh, for a team to never consider letting you go under any circumstances. But, yeah, this it's a business. You have to do what's in the best interest of the organization. This this whole idea of loyalty to a player, I think, is is just a little bit unrealistic a lot of the times. So, unrealistic to expect, anyway. Yeah, I think part of this whole thing with Chris Bryant is how public it was in just the sports fan eye. Because the truth of the matter is, and look, I I don't have any inside sources. I'm not there in the room. But from what we know, shopping happens more often than we think. Yeah. And they'll... They'll take phone calls about anybody pretty much every off season. Yeah. See, it's with the Chris Bryant thing, it, it has nothing to do with like with loyalty to the guy. My whole thing with the Chris Bryant trade scenarios is that it just really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I just don't see why how it benefits the Cubs right now. Right. That's right. my whole thing. I don't think it. it does either. Yeah, I don't think it does either. It, it just kind of feels like they're like they want to make a big splash just for the sake of changing things up. And but I don't I don't see how that change actually benefits them really in the long run because it's like we talked about on the last show. Look what happened with the Mookie Betts trade. I mean, I would be uh-huh. sort of underwhelmed if the if that's what happens with the Cubs and. If oh, we're being totally, And if we're being totally honest, Mookie Betts is a heck of a lot more valuable player right now than Chris Bryant. Yes, so, he is. So, I mean, if you're on team trade Bryant, you know, be prepared to be really disappointed by the return. Right. I mean, that's why I always say, step back, step back and think. What do you think we're going to get? You think we're going to get, like, just this slew of prospects that are 100% going to work out. Yeah, it ain't going to You don't know happen. that. You don't know that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it honestly it feels kind of like a coin flip, really. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You see teams trade away their assets when they are rebuilding. Now, rebuilding is the process of starting over. 
that's different. The Cubs are trying to keep a window open while shopping around Chris Bryant. And I think the reason why the shopping of Chris Bryant is so much more of a, you know, a publicized, I don't know, event. It's not, I mean, it didn't happen, but the process of wanting to shop and checking in on teams has been made very public is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Because they're a lot more serious about it than just casual shopping. Like a lot of teams do on a regular basis. They're legit serious about doing this kind of thing that's why it's a lot more public that's why it's much bigger of a story now i think with the whole situation you look at what you could potentially get and you realize that teams value their assets more than ever so do you really think that they're just going to be willing to i mean you look at the way prospects are grown today. You look at how some of these teams are trying to extend windows and create windows of opportunity by building through their system. You know, it's not easy to just say, here's Chris Bryant. Now give us all your shiny young guys and just dangle in front yeah. of him. It's so much harder than that. You got to keep in mind that teams right now, from what we're hearing, aren't even close to what the Cubs want. So what does that tell you? That tells you that what the Cubs could potentially get is going to be very underwhelming. Well, and and beyond that, it's always just a big risk to trade a sure thing for the unknown, too, which, let's be honest, that's uh, very few prospects are so good that you know they're going to be an all-star for their whole career. That doesn't happen very often. You see those guys kind of fizzle out more often than not. Uh, right. So, I mean, I, I just think it's never a sure thing with prospects. In, in a very, very small amount of cases maybe, but generally speaking, you can't ever be totally sure what you're going to get from a prospect. And so – and and that's why that's why this makes me so nervous in the Cubs situation because they on paper should be good enough to compete right now sure, still. So course. it just doesn't make sense to me why they would trade Chris Bryant now. I would I would especially given that the return is going to be underwhelming, I would much rather keep him and go for it all this year next year, just go for it. And if he doesn't come back, he doesn't come back. But I would rather have had him uh, and know that they put all their efforts into winning again you know, rather than dumping him for some prospects and then those guys just ending up being C, B-tier level players down the road. Right. Again, like I said, this isn't a rebuild that we're talking about right now. When you're rebuilding, yeah, you're taking risks, but you know what? You know you're not going to win. Now, when the Cubs rebuilt, they were not winning and didn't have assets to trade off. You know, they they didn't. So it's hard to compare the Cubs potentially rebuilding for whatever reason now than back then. It's very different. My whole point is if you're trying to keep a window open, you would think you'd want to keep the best players you have as long as possible. The players you know that will be successful for you and have gotten you to the top of the mountain before. I know it's frustrating as heck. We thought we might have had a dynasty a few years ago when we won in 2016, and it hasn't been that. I know there is a temptation to do something kind of brash, but you got to make sure what you're doing makes sense 
and gets you what you are looking for. There, yeah. You said it earlier. There's a difference between making a trade, a smart trade, and making a trade for the, sh- the sake of shaking things up. Yeah. Big difference. And that's, what, big, that's big, kind big, of what it difference. feels like. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like the Cubs have a solid end game in mind here. Like, they it, things have not gone as planned the last couple of years, and so they're just, you know, kind of wandering aimlessly and hoping that uh, the right solution falls in their lap. You know, I really didn't think we would get to this in November, December, the offseason after 2016. I really didn't think we'd get to this point. I thought, okay, the next uh, big shakeup for the Cubs is going to be like a decade or so down the road when everyone's old and retiring and whatnot. I didn't expect it to happen this soon or at least the talks of these kind of big moves and kind of a downfall where we're seeing teams not making the playoffs or being one and done in a wild card game like the past two years. It just, it, it stinks. It really does stink. And that's why I think some fans feelings towards this matter are a bit more, I don't want to say hot take like, but more willing to see something drastic because it feels like it's the only way out because there's a lot of uncertainties right now because look think about it theo epstein his contract is going to be up i believe after 2021 and i don't really know for sure what's going to happen after that but i'm willing to bet right now that epstein is going to find another project after his contract is up here. I don't know about you, but I I, I don't know for sure. I, I just, don't know. I, I don't feel like he's going to be here in the long run. Yeah, I, I I guess I would agree. I mean, the last couple of years, it's kind of felt like a bit of a tumultuous relationship between uh, the brass and and the owners. It, it, I mean, especially with Madden too, things just don't feel very fluid right now. Uh, there's some turmoil. I, I would I would be on on the same boat as you. I I think that that they, he probably doesn't renew. Let's talk about Madden because this is a conversation being had the past few days with some stuff that came out. Basically, to sum it up, Joe Madden at the end of the year back in September said he didn't have any clashes or disagreements or differences in philosophy with the Cubs front office. Then a recent interview just the other day said that he pretty much wanted out the final year. He was a lame duck. He knew he was going to be gone. There were some differences. And Epstein responded, Quote, that would conflict with some of the things that he and his agent were saying and doing toward the end of the season. If that's how he feels, I'm not going to dispute it. That doesn't reflect the conversation we were having. I love Joe. Nothing is going to get in the way of that. I don't think he meant any ill will with his comments. You know, I'm just going to say I'm not blaming Madden at all. I mean, not at all. I'm not saying he's the number one reason for last year's downfall. But the more stuff like this that comes out 
when you have players talking about how things got really lax, I think the lame duck thing might have hurt the team more than I initially thought it did. Yeah, and man, the, it's tough to see this because I, I really I like Joe Madden as a person, and so I, I hate to I hate to see this relationship sort of wither after it's expired. But I mean, it was it was no secret that Madden and Epstein did not get along all that well in these last couple of years. They they had some some seriously different opinions on how to do certain things, and I think Madden. Uh, and felt like Epstein was maybe overstepping his bounds a little bit, maybe trying to control too many things. Uh, so the, this is a little bit disappointing to see, but honestly not that surprising because we knew this was a no, fractured relationship not. anyway. Here's some of the things that Madden said that Theo responded to. Philos- uh, quote, philosophically, Theo needed to do what he needed to do separately. At some point, I began to interfere with his train of thought a little bit. And it's not that I'm hard-headed, I'm inclusive, but when I started there, 15, 16, 17, it was pretty much my methods. And then all of a sudden, after 18, going into 19, they wanted to change everything. Yeah, and, I, and you know, I can kind of see where he's coming from on that a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, I just I think you know we all knew Madden was getting a little bit tired of it Epstein was getting a little bit tired of it and that's really all there is to that story is they were both I think a bit sick of each other and so none of this is surprising at all this was I I was sort of holding out hope that they could make it work because I would have liked Joe Madden to stay in Chicago a little bit longer under the right circumstances obviously that didn't happen but in the end I think we all knew it was heading this direction. And, yeah, and, I agree. And this, this sort of back and forth that's happening now between the two sides is kind of pointless and maybe slightly petty. Yeah, you know, I don't... I don't want to think... I don't want to say petty as much. I just think it's... It's a little unnecessary. Yeah, it's it's brutal honesty in my opinion. You know, I, the one thing I can respect is now that he's not a cub, I, you know, you don't have to say anything, but if Joe Mann's going to say anything, at least he's not really BSing you. He's giving you an honest answer. And I can, I can respect the honesty. Um, it, it does kind of stink to hear, but again, like you said, we kind of saw this. It reflected through the team. You know... There are people out there who, and I understand, still really like Joe Madden, didn't want to see him go, and I can understand it, but I think this, to me, more than ever, thought that it was it was the end of the road. Yeah. I, I think we all knew it was going to be the end. But here's the question. Is this Joe Madden leaving that's going to turn things around or is this more of a reflection on the work that Epstein has done for him? Because I don't think it's a one or the other. I think it's a little bit of both. I think some of Joe Mann's methods got stale and old. And I think Theo Epstein and his crew 
have not made some of the best moves the past few years and haven't given him uh, some of the right players. Not having yeah. a leadoff man, that's kind of on the front office. Joe did everything he tried to do, and there just wasn't yeah. one there. You can't really blame him for that. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it goes both ways with, with stuff. And, you know, I I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt more often than not, but I, and I'll echo something that my dad has said to me in the past that, you know, the whole quirkiness of Joe Madden starts to kind of get old once the winning stops. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I almost think it got old after the peak when the winning yeah. happened. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 fun at the time. It's fun when things are going well and you're making headlines, you're winning games. But once once you start struggling and underperforming, then the the cuteness of it all just starts to annoy you a little bit. And I could I could see where the front office would maybe be frustrated on that front, honestly. But moving forward, we're going to probably hear less and less about the subject. I think they're ready to move on as they should. What was said was said. What was done was done. It's over. It's in the past. David Ross is the manager. Let's focus on him. I I think it is too bad that it ended on kind of a sour note, but you know what? At least look back and say he's the guy that brought the Cubs to three NLCS and brought them a World Series championship. This is... Nothing like the ending of Dusty Baker, Lou Pinnell, and all those other failed managers that were supposed to take him to the promised land. I think in the long run, at the end of the day, we'll remember Joe Madden for the good that he brought to us and this little feud. You know, this happens more often in sports uh, than you think. I mean, look at a lot of the great coaching tenures that have ended in kind of sour notes all around sports. Unfortunately, it's just what happens, and now we can just kind of move forward. And I think Theo Epstein's fully ready to do that. See, I, I we move forward for now as we should. But what's going to be interesting, what could reignite those flames, uh, is if the Angels do really well this year, because I can see it now. If the Angels overperform and they're contenders halfway through the season, then you're going to get droves of fans saying, oh my God, we should have kept Madden. We've made a huge mistake. Oh, that's uh, going to happen regardless. That's, that's, that's dependent on the Cubs too. I mean, if the, if the Cubs are, if the Cubs perform well and they're in this thing too, then, then maybe you don't have that hindsight 2020 thing going on. But I'm telling you right now, if the angels do well this year, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to say, we should have kept Madden. I told oh, you I so. Know. Yeah. Oh, I know. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I mean, look, there are people still saying that the Bears shouldn't have fired Levy Smith when they did. I, it's, that's a huge part of this city. You're looking back at it. And shocker, I'm going to go back to the Blackhawks here. You know, I, I get being frustrated with the current coach, Jeremy Colleton, and I understand that Joel Quenville was the best coach that the Blackhawks ever had and one of the greatest in history. Uh, but you got to remember at the time when, Joel Quenville was fired. They were coming off a terrible season and they were beginning what was another terrible season. You know, eventually they got hot and made it back to respectability. But at the time that Joel Quenville was being let go, things were continuing to trend downward. So, you know what? The thing I always emphasize in sports, no matter what going forward, moving on from a guy and seeing the results not happen with the next guy still doesn't mean that you shouldn't have moved on from the previous guy. Look, 
when the Bears hired Mark Tressman, that was an embarrassing decision <laughs> because they're an embarrassing franchise. Oh my God! Did you see Mark Tressman's halftime speech to the Vipers or whatever yes, XFL coach? He, oh my. I, I thought that was only like a 15-second clip, and I thought I was going to fall asleep. How in the world did the Bears think that man could motivate an NFL squad? That was like the weakest halftime speech I have ever seen. And, and I'm a big fan of a team that had Mike conference. Riley. Because the, <laughs> they impressed George McCaskey with the mock press conference. Because he said all the right things. I love Bears history. I love football. And that'll get George McCaskey all giddy. I love football, too. I couldn't be the Bears head coach. Who would want that job? I mean, seriously. I Think about it. God. He was going up against Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians wanted to come here. But they went with Mark Tressman <laughs> instead. That speech was just... I'll say I'm glad Mark Trestman isn't in charge of motivating our troops because we we would already be a pile of rubble by now if that was the case. I mean, look, I remember when Mark Trestman was giving press conferences, a Bears coach, and he's saying, we had a great practice. Our boys love football. We all love football. Yeah. That's why we're here. <sighs> hey, hey, man, I'm I'm a Husker fan, so... No one knows more than me about hearing we had a great practice and then going out and having a losing record. It's I'm the no, class. I'm no no stranger to that. Yeah. But the whole the whole point I'm trying to make here is this. Going back to that Bears analogy, Lovey Smith did a lot of good things for the Bears. He brought them to a Super Bowl. He brought them to two NFC championships. Uh, won a few division titles. But you clearly saw that it was the end of an era with him, and it was the right decision to move on. It wasn't the right decision to hire Mark Tressman, but yeah. it was the right decision to move on because you know Lovey's Lovey's style of play was getting outdated, and well, they weren't going anywhere. So, and I mean, and that's an easier pill to swallow too, because let's face it, there's not going to be any hindsight 2020 with Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith is not going to win any Big Ten championships at Illinois. Like that's that's never going to happen. Well, I mean, he I'll I'll give him this. He's made them competitive this year, but no, he's, he's got probably them, not. Yeah, he's got them better by Illinois standards, but Illinois is not going to you know be any kind of powerhouse. No, of course soon. And that's not a, that's not a knock on Lovey Smith. That's just the nature of being Illinois. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, Lovey Smith, I think, is a very good coach at that level. I think he's the right guy that can motivate people. He's the guy that yeah. people would want to play for. And again, look, Lovey Smith had a successful NFL coaching career. You know, again, if he had a quarterback in 2006, he'd have a Lombardi trophy to his name. But, it, you know, it well, went. You know, time... maybe, who knows? Who knows? I mean, you know, Lovey Smith is a big name coaching in the NFL. That's intriguing to to some recruits and you know I've I have a friend who lived in Champaign for a while said it was actually a pretty fun town to live in so you know, yeah. maybe maybe Illinois picks up some steam it's, I think they do there's I there's a lot do. there's a lot to like there living in a at a cool college town uh playing for an NFL coach somebody who knows what it takes to play at that level like a respected in, guy in in a conference like the Big 10 too you know the the Big yeah. 10 is arguably the best conference in college football right now too so you know it's there's the there's Ten. some intrigue there. there's some intrigue yeah. there for sure 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's finally got the program moving in the right direction because when he inherited the program, he had no talent at all. There was nothing he can do about it. I think he's at the level where he deserves to be right now. Lovey Smith had a nice NFL coaching career, but his style of play was way outdated by his last years. And it was the right decision to move on, but they didn't make the right choice with the next guy. What I'm trying to say here is, regardless of not David Ross works or not, it still was probably the right decision to move on from Joe Madden just with the way things were going. It might end up being that it was more Theo Epstein than Joe Madden, for sure. But when you hear things about the team being too lax and the shtick getting stale from the players, not really directly, but you kind of pick up that's what they were talking about like during CubsCon and kind of subtly in their comments to the press, that kind of speaks volumes right there. I mean, Joe Mann did so many great things to the culture of the team. He made them into winners. But you know what? He He's the type of guy where your shtick is only going to last so long. Unlike yeah. a Belichick or a Popovich, that kind of shtick has an expiration date. And you know what? The expiration date can be a little sooner than you think as players yeah. mature. Yeah, well, and, and just the fact that the, both sides continue to contradict each other a little bit, I think that that really sheds some light on just how bad things were getting towards the end. I mean, if, if they're oh, both, sure. if they're both kind of going against each other now, then, then God only knows what it was like when they were still working with each other. Yeah, exactly. Now, some people might ask, uh, well, why did he open a restaurant in Chicago if he wanted out? Why, uh, why didn't he say anything during that? That's, well, of course he's not, he's not going to say that. That's just something celebrities do. It's not right. even just – all of these actors, athletes, everyone with money wants to open their own restaurant. I don't get this infatuation with, with rich people wanting to have their own restaurant. Like running a restaurant is a tough business. That's a really yes, tough business where margins are not good and your product expires really quickly. So if you're not – if you're not shelling it out fast enough, you, you know, like that's it takes a lot of attention to detail and dedication to make a restaurant work. It's not something you can just do as a hobby. Right. And it's also a situation where he was running it with other people. And you never know. The other people could yeah. have said, look, I just don't want to do it. I don't think we're going to be making enough money, especially in the off season. Yeah. We gave it a shot. I don't think the status of Joe Madden last year is in any way related to the fact that he had a restaurant. No, I, think I don't either. Completely unrelated things. I don't either. But I, it just the, the celebrity restaurant thing continues to always amaze me that they never learn that lesson that if you're going to be involved in the restaurant business, you actually have to be overseeing things yourself, or or it goes south. You can't just buy it and then dump dump it on someone else's lap and expect it to succeed. Like it never works out ever. You know, you get a lot of restaurants from celebrities. You also get a lot of product lines, whether it's like yeah. clothes or food They're or all drinks, short-lived. beer. They're yeah. all short-lived. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yamir Yager had a peanut butter line back in the yeah. early 90s, and they don't make that anymore. Does Shaq Stoda even still exist? I don't even know. I, I have no idea what that is. It's Shaq Stoda. I, I drank oh, it Shaq, a lot. Shaq, like yeah. Shaquille. Yeah, okay. Shaquille O'Neal. 
Dude, Shaquille O'Neal has his face on literally everything. Everything. I went I went uh, running errands with one of my buddies last weekend. We just had to he had to get some office stuff. And Shaq's face is like plastered all over printer stuff and everything. Like everywhere you go, Shaq never says no to promoting someone's product ever. I bet no. if we asked Shaquille O'Neal to promote our podcast, he'd put his face on it for us. I don't think imagine? he's ever if we had the money anyway, I don't think he's ever turned anyone down. No, I know you see him with He's drink lines. You see him in commercials, yeah. billboards, com- like uh, different kinds of commercials too. Yeah. Whether it's like cars or clothes, anything, anything. Shaquille O'Neal is there or movies. Well, he's in movies. And, yeah, I said, at least he's he's doing you know the the family friendly stuff, printers and drinks and such. At least he's not going the the Frank Thomas route and and, and <laughs> promoting the libido thing. Oh, yeah. Didn't he have a beer line, too? I heard that was pretty maybe. bad. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I, I heard that wasn't very good. Out. Though I will give Mike Ditka uh, credit. He did open a pretty good restaurant. Ditka's did is he? a very good restaurant. Yes. Dick, it's a it's a really nice restaurant. There were several locations. My brother's uh, wedding rehearsal the night before his wedding was at a Ditka's, and it was very good. It was very, very good. Harry Carey's restaurant is still around, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's also good. I feel like Harry Carey's is, um, it, it kind of became just a Chicago institution just with the name, yeah. kind of like Michael Jordan's restaurant. But the, the difference is, and same with Dicka's as well, the difference is Harry Carey's restaurant, while not cheap, is a bit more, <laughs> I guess, family friendly, where Michael Jordan's yeah. is way up there. You know, way, way up there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're different tiers of, of of superstars in the fans' eyes. My my parents went to Harry Carey's restaurant one time, and they they actually met Harry Carey there. And my dad was like, he was a huge fan, and so meeting him was a big deal. Uh, they got a picture together. My mom took a picture of my dad and Harry Carey, and she took the worst picture. Of them, where my dad is a really tall guy, and half of my dad's head is cut off in the picture. <laughs> the one, the one picture they got of them together is like my dad's entire forehead is cut out of the picture, and it was a sad thing for him too because he was really excited to meet Harry Carey, but sure. Harry Carey was a lot more interested in, in my mom <laughs> than him. So like, yeah, even in his old that. age, he was a player. Oh <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. That- Sounds about right. Once my dad, I don't know if he was going into a Harry Carey's or another bar somewhere, but he opened the door and he felt someone behind him and he looked behind him and he saw the big glasses and big smiling face of Harry Ooh, Carey. Nice. And, Harry, and Harry Carey just goes, oh, thanks, Sonny. And oh, as nice. he held the door open for him. <laughs> I'm sure oh, a lot man. of people have that. My, my dad uh, encountered Eddie Vedder in the bleachers one time, too, and actually gave him a cigar. Eddie really? Vedder was Eddie Vedder was just chilling amongst the fans in the bleachers one day. Yeah, you know one of my uh, my grandfather in a hotel elevator met one of the Three Stooges. Really? Yeah, he met Larry. Really? Are they, yeah. Are any of them still alive? I mean, this was back in like the late sixties. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, because they've all been dead since like the seventies. Yeah, they're they're all okay. Yeah. Because their prime years were in the 30s and 40s. Long time ago. That's been a while, yeah. Yeah, it has been a while. Um, 
Yeah, yeah I, I felt like we've had a lot of good sidetrack conversations on the show tonight. I gotta say. Yeah, baseball's kind of taking a back seat tonight. Well, it's not going to be taking a back seat as we start spring training games, that's for sure. It and we're can't still... come soon enough. No, we're in the can't. worst sports period of the year. I know you're a hockey guy, so you've got hockey, but for me, there's just absolutely nothing because I can't stand regular season NBA. Uh, so that, right, having no football, no baseball right now is just an absolute killer for me. It's so boring. Well... Well, the thing with hockey is the Blackhawks are starting to plummet their way out of the playoff picture, so, yeah. Yeah, so things are looking kind of bleak for you too, huh? Yeah, and I have zero interest in the Jim Boylan-led Bulls right now. Yeah. Oh, oh God. Oh, God. Everything, are, everything oh. Jim Boylan says just is so cringe. Like, every time the Bulls get beat and he has to talk to the press afterwards— it sounds like a corny high school coach who's always using like weird, overly used cliches to try to motivate his team and inspire hope, and it, but it all just ends up sounding cringe. It's an SNL skit is what it is. It kind of is, yeah. Ugh. I don't know how you Bulls fans put up with it. I, I don't follow basketball at all. I think NBA basketball is really boring to watch, but I don't know how you guys continue to put up with the way the bulls are running things. Oh, people are people have had enough of it. I mean, I've always said the bulls have have a very very passionate fan base and uh the past 20 years oftentimes they've been a bit more optimistic than they should, way more than they should, but it's reached the breaking point of pretty much everybody in this city right now. They're not yeah. showing up to the games like they used to. They, I don't know any Bulls fan happy with the way we're going right now. Yeah. It, I don't really feel bad for you done. guys, though, because you had the Michael Jordan era. So that that's always going to be a thing. So I know, but like, I mean, maybe for the time. young, the younger generation, I guess. But, you know, for the, for the, like the, the boomer fans, you had, you had one of the all time great eras of basketball. So, I mean, are, people my age, I was too young to remember that. Yeah. Well, and at the same time, at the same time, it's a bummer too because you realize that the, the Bulls have probably already peaked. Like you're never going to get that ever again. Yeah, you're never like. going to get Michael Jordan again. You could do better than what you've got now, though. Well, yeah, of course. And you know, there was a time in high school where I thought Derrick Rose was bringing the team back to glory, and then obviously that all no. fell apart. But there was a time where there was a lot of reasonable optimism for the Bulls. But at the end of the day. The Chicago Bulls have one total Eastern Conference final win since Jordan yeah. retired. It doesn't really make sense either because they're such they're such a huge market, such a global brand that it's weird seeing them trot out like a glorified D-League team night after night because you would think that it would be easy for the Chicago Bulls to attract big name free agents, but they never do. Yeah, you know, I feel like with basketball uh Places like L.A. are much shinier. Yeah. Or like warm yeah. climates like Miami. Yeah, or, that's true. Uh, even not non-warm climates like Boston. I just yeah. I feel like the Bulls are one of the biggest brands in sports because of Michael Jordan. Yeah. But if you look at the Bulls' history, all their history revolves around that one guy, basically, where you look at the Los Angeles Lakers and you go back to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and then you get Magic Johnson, and then 
may he rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. And now you have LeBron James there. In Boston, you had Larry Bird. You had dynasties all over the place throughout Boston Celtics history. You go down to Miami. You had recent success there with LeBron James. And before that, Dwayne Wayne, Shaquille O'Neal, you know, won you championships. Chicago, yeah, it's the third biggest city in the United States. Yes, Jordan built them into a worldwide brand. Yes, they are one of the best attended and best viewed uh, basketball teams out there. But just places like L.A. and Boston, Miami, other places that have had more sustained success in both recent years and in history, to me, just are probably more attractive. And they see the culture here in Chicago, what it's become. It's bad. It's just weird. It's weird to me that there's never any interest from from big name players, even even like on the trade market. Another thing that I absolutely despise about the NBA is superstar players are just like, why don't you trade me to this team? And then the owners cave and they do it. I I hate that more than I can put into like, words. Like it's, Anthony it's so, Davis to the Lakers. Yeah, they're like they're so pampered and they're so entitled. It just. It, Makes me mad when when a guy like Anthony Davis is like, you know what? Why don't you just trade me to the Lakers? And they do it. Like players, that NBA players arguably have more power over their teams than any player in any other sport. They do. The owners need the owners need to just man up and say, you know what? No, no. I think this is the problem. Here's yeah, the, the thing. The, the problem though is that what ends up happening is like what Anthony Davis did, which I'm sure he would deny. Is I just don't think they try very hard. If they if they're stuck in a situation they don't want to be in, they really just don't give that much effort, and they so they force the owner's hand that way, which is right. really lame. Because here's the thing: the NBA is driven by superstars pretty much more than any other sport. Yeah. You look at any other sport, and you can create a well balanced team that mm-hmm. wins a championship. In the NBA, if you don't have any superstars, you're not winning a championship. Yeah. You have pretty much even, no chance. Even having just one superstar almost isn't enough. You, nowadays, you pretty much have to have at least two stars if you're going to be serious about winning a championship. Yeah, I mean, you look at last year, the Toronto Which, Raptors. Obviously, uh, you had a star on that team, uh, and you had a bunch yeah. of really good players to compliment him. But, you know, I, I think Raptors they got hot well at the right coached. time. Yeah, it, I well coached, the Raptors got were a well-coached yeah. team, too. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they, they, were, they were good uh, in the years before they got Kawhi Leonard, too. They they were notoriously bad at fi- actually finishing, but they were still a good team. So at, you know, Kawhi, I think, was just what they needed to he was the missing uh, piece. Get, get the, yeah, push him over the edge. And that was a team that a lot of people, including myself, rooted for. We were yeah. tired of seeing the Golden State Warriors. But oh, when, you, yeah. when you saw them uh, get defeated in the hands of Kawhi Leonard, you're like, man, that's a team that truly went on a respectable run. Yeah, I I can't stand the Warriors. I don't like any of their personalities. I don't. I think they're they're big talkers. Uh, Draymond Green has proven that he is absolutely one hundred percent not a superstar. He's uh, the villain of the league, and he kind of embraces it. And Steph Curry, Steph Curry is almost like ruined basketball as a whole in a way. Like, go to any rec center, and all you see are guys trying to emulate Steph Curry, just pulling up a three. Which, you know, I get it, that that's what works now, that's what teams do, but it sucks to watch. It's not any fun to watch. There's no there's no artfulness to basketball. There's you know, the ball movement is bad. It's basically blacktop ball. Guys kind of just playing one V ones and then there's yeah. just everyone else running around. 
I hate to sound like a boomer, but it truly was better in the older days. Maybe they should just get rid of the three-point line. Eh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I know that's that's way before our time, but you know, maybe maybe basketball would be better if they went back to having no three-point line. Or uh, conversely, maybe they should move the three-point line way back uh, so teams just don't take as many threes. Yeah, I think you can't beat good old drive to the hoop, dunk it basketball. That's what the people like to see. No, well, instead I mean, of watching a game of two K, the big man is is kind of dead. Like you don't see anybody dominating down low anymore, really. Pretty no, rare it, occasions. Not as much as it used to. No, I mean we kind of saw the end of that. I guess like with Dwight Howard, maybe. Yeah, sort of the end yeah. of that that style of play, which is disappointing because I. I I actually kind of like watching the big men work underneath. I know you, you just really don't see that anymore at all. It's all about getting an open three now. And it was always fun just watching Dwight Howard get under people's skin. That was fun. Yeah. Man, we really went on a lot of tangents tonight, but that's yeah, okay. Baseball seriously got the short deal. end of the stick tonight. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. But we'll have plenty more baseball yeah. talk in the future because spring training will be starting. Hooray, hooray, hooray. So I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. As always, a reminder to check out Cubby's Crib at cubbyscrib.com. Be sure to check out their Twitter page and their Facebook page and also listen to this podcast on iTunes.com. Until next time, he's Adam, I'm Alex, have a great night.